Welcome to the Slumber Party Pod. I'm Lizzie, the Arizona School Public System. I'm Hannah, and I'm wearing a white eyelet lace tank top. And I'm Ian, and I'm a creature of the night. And welcome to our iCarly 50th web show, Spectacular. We'll insert it there. And also, welcome to the March Book Club. And also, welcome to Lizzie's birthday. And also, welcome to the first special guest episode of season two in our Schmorgan. New friend of the pod! New friend of the pod! So great to be here, folks. Perhaps one of the alleged friends of the pod who has been mentioned the most mm-hmm. and yet personally featured the least now. But there you go. Now you're here. I'm here. I think yeah, the yeah. first ever friend of the pod to be featured on our Instagram. Because oh, yeah. when we made our Instagram, you and Justin texted Lizzie. Like before we posted anything, it popped Ooh. up and you were you guys were like, is this a cry for help? That's true. <laughs> and it was. And then so we posted that screenshot. It was, and yet here we are. <laughs> I, it, it, you can't say it's not a long-lasting cry for help. Yeah. <laughs> it's turned into a wail at this point. <laughs> We're screaming! We are the banshees of Inishirin. <laughs> uh, um, but... All that's today is today we're, it's a long-awaited episode. Y'all have been asking and asking and asking. So finally, we read Twilight. Lizzie's holding up the book. (laughs) So for those who can't see. um, I have nothing to say. Lizzie's looking disdainfully. Mm -hmm. I feel bad. I was just saying I feel bad because this is a little bit my fault. Because Lizzie... Um, wanted to like pick like something like exciting and like a banned book um, for her birthday to like you know show support and say fuck Ron DeSantis and I made her read Twilight for her birthday. <laughs> and let me be very clear, I still think it's very important that we say fuck Ron DeSantis. Absolutely, oh, yeah. fuck Ron DeSantis. I do think perhaps in the future when we say that we should do it after having read something that perhaps perhaps I would be okay if they banned this book. <laughs> right. You I, know, I mean, we, we can bring back Banned Books Week in October for real banned books. Yeah. I, I think it's funny funny this book for Banned Book Week, book week because it's taking like this sort of uh, concept that I feel like is associated with like alternative culture and like on on the the margins of society and then making it like really palatable to a Mormon audience. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. And you know what? Interestingly enough, thank you so for much for bringing that up, Ian. Palatable to the Mormon audience is actually gonna be our slogan for season three. You want to get that finally, people. It's how we're going to tackle um, Utah, uh, Wyoming, Arizona. We have Idaho, but the rest of you come through. Yeah. If you're a Mormon and you're listening to this, tell your friends. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is how we're going to get. Don't get your Garmies in a wad. We're just teasing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. So we read Twilight. Mm -hmm. Ian. As the guest of the pod, do you find yourself in a place of being willing or mentally, physically prepared 
to help us out with a 60-second summary. Uh, I don't have notes, so it's going to be pretty freeform, but absolutely, I'm down. We never have notes. <laughs> the amount, the lack of preparation we do for this project is truly alarming. Yeah. Lizzie, do you have a timer? Because I don't have my phone on my person. Right. Are you? Yeah. You're ready? I think to I'm ready. I think it? I'm ready. Right. We'll give you like a, a halfway. Well, Lizzie will, because I don't have the phone. Lizzie will give you like a halfway and then like a 20, 10, 9, 8. Okay. 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 Cool. All right. Ready for me to count in? I think so. Three, two, one, go. Twilight is the story of um, a white woman from Utah's perspective on what vampires should be. Um, she, she's been very clear that she didn't do any sort of uh, like research on like what vampires are like. Um, and it has an undue amount of hate for what it is, which is really just kind of a bland romance uh, between uh, Bella and uh, Edward is the vampire. I think most people knowing already know what Twilight is, so I can just sort of screw around here a bit. Um, but, you know, Bella's in love with Edward, Edward's in love with Bella, but Edward wants to eat Bella. Bella does not want to be eaten until the end of the book where she does. Uh, from there, uh, there's a whole thing of other people wanting to eat her and Edward protecting her and Edward's a stalker and that's a whole thing. Uh, all right, I'll count it there. I'm cackling! Really? It's so true. Brilliant. I am so thrilled that you told us almost nothing about the plot and <laughs> dedicate 20 minutes of those seconds to Stephanie Meyer. But you know what? You're right. We do all already know the plot. We do. So, yes. So, so what I realized while reading this book, I, as soon, like, what, once I was reading it, I realized I started feeling bad for suggesting all the times that I've suggested reading Twilight um, because it's like I feel like so much of the book is kind of just filler. It feels like a lot of filler to me. Yes. So this was my first time ever actually reading this book. I've seen the movie, I think, twice. And I've listened to Hot and Bothered's Twilight and Quarantine recaps at least three times through. So, like, I know the plot. Um, I know, I know, you know, the, the references. I know the problems. But, you know, this was my first time actually reading, listening. I listened to the audiobook. Um, that's been my Summer Party Book Club thing. And, yeah, it's just mostly really boring. Um, we don't get... Any of the exciting, albeit campy and sometimes not good, but like fun parts from the movie. Um, none of the quotable fun stuff is there. Yeah, it's just kind of sad. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know if I've shared my personal experience with Twilight. Um, I read it in like 2011, uh, 2010, somewhere around then. Uh, and I was like a full Twilight hater. And I, um, part of the reason why I wanted to do this is I wanted to be like, is it as bad as I remembered it? And it's not, um, but it's also just so middle of the road the whole way through. And yeah, 
not very engaging characters. There isn't really a whole lot of a plot to talk about. It's kind of just sort of this tension of will they, won't they? But the whole time we're reading it, we know that they will. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And I think, so I read the first half of this when I was in sixth grade, sixth grade or seventh grade, um, mm-hmm. because I lost a bet. And I was so <laughs> anti Twilight and just, this was not um, perhaps my, my most proud period of my life as a feminist, um, mm. as a girl's girl. However, mm-hmm. um, I think perhaps I had, I made some points <laughs> at that point in my life. Perhaps I, um, my displeasure surrounding this book wasn't entirely misplaced. I yeah. think part of my situation is I remembered the writing of the book, one being so boring and one being really bad. And so I mm. went into this trying to, and I was fully prepared for the writing to be so awful. Um, I certainly don't think the writing is great. I don't also necessarily think the writing is good, but the writing is just kind of weird to me. And I found myself, like, after a while, like, about a quarter of the way into the book, I realized that most of what I was highlighting were, like, sentences I had questions about. Like, Stephanie Meyer's word choice is so interesting because Mm -hmm. she'll always pick a she'll pick a word to describe something that isn't entirely wrong but it's just a little weird so like there's one part where bella (laughs) says something about she lied lightly like she was telling a lie to someone she's like i lied lightly i was like how do you do are you meaning like you told a small lie is this supposed to be like talking about the voice with which you said the lie but that there's was there's it would always happen um, oh no sorry oh unfortunately like this is not the biggest like authorial sin you can commit however i found that like these weird little like word choice things would happen Right as there was, like, a string of, like, 10 or 15 pages where I was like, okay, like, I'm kind of getting a little invested. like, And then, like, that would happen, and I would be like, what? What? Like, it would take you out of the story a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were some weird things like that that I noticed. Like, there's a point in which Bella says something. She was looking at Edward's angel's face. Not his angel face or his angelic face. She's not saying she was looking at the angel's face, like, using it as an epithet. It's, like, as if, like, Edward has a devil and an angel on each shoulder and she's looking at the face of the angel. (laughs) Um, There are weird things like that or, like, yeah, or, like, the, uh, just the way that, like, she... 
she like reused words very often not like reused but like she bella would often hope things it was colder than i'd hoped edward was angrier than i'd hoped and it's like girl what yeah, I, I was, um, so I, I watched some interviews in preparation for this with, with Stephanie Meyer, and she talks about, like, how she found the voice of Bella, uh, at, like, through the writing, and I was like, what, what voice? Like, there's some, there's some parts where she's, like, telling, you know, she'll, like, crack a joke, or she'll, like, you know, I, she's, I, um, I seem to remember when I read it as a kid, like, it, uh, I remember her being, like, just sort of, um, like a lamp um just doing whatever you know you ever heard like the sexy lamp test of like does some uh, as like it's yeah yeah so it um for if there's people listening who haven't heard it's like a um uh if you can replace somebody in the story with a sexy lamp then it's not a well-written female character and so if someone's just having like actions done to them um or just people wanting to like take them and kidnap them or maybe eat them um then it's not really (laughs) it's not a well-written female character but i i think bella bella has more personality than that but oh oh my god it's so bland i and and some part of it is like is this this is like accurately writing a 17 year old (laughs) yeah i think i totally agree with all of that. I do think the personality problem, obviously, yeah. Bella is not wholly without agency. Like, she's not wholly without, you know, a voice. It's just that the personality she has is so bad. <laughs> yes. So annoying. Bella is the most not like other girls. She might have been the inspiration, honestly. I mean, she, if not the blueprint, she put she put the not like other girl on the map um, yeah. in two thousand nine or whenever it was. Uh, yeah, she does. You know, she she has when friends at school, but she doesn't really like them. And she, I don't, I don't really remember know when this came out. The first yeah, time I remember hearing about it. Okay, and maybe the first movie came out in like two thousand nine or two thousand ten because that's when I remember hearing about it for the first time, and yeah. I was a little too young to have read them. Um, but yeah, she, you know, she has these friends at school, but she doesn't really like them or she thinks that they're silly and they want to go to prom. Why would we ever want to go to prom? And, you know, this and that, and, you know, all these people here in, in Washington, they don't know what sun is like. I'm from Arizona. I'm from where the public schools are good and they have AP classes. Oh my God. Oh, so I did do some research about this. But I'm going to pull it up. So, Ian, please say what you were about to say. Oh, I was going to say um, about the switch from, from this is a bit of a tangent, but the switch from Washington to, or from Arizona to Washington, I thought was so funny because uh, at the, around the same time uh, in my life as, as Bella's, I had like the reverse experience of going from New Hampshire to Arizona and having like exactly the opposite criticisms of, Ari- of Arizona, being like, it's so, it's so dry here. It, there's nothing green. And to hear her going like, there's, everything is green everywhere isn't that awful i was like dying yeah 
Yeah, and there were some weird things where it was kind of like, I mean, Stephanie Meyer is from Arizona, but it, there were parts where you would think maybe she's not because when they first go to the beach at La Push, she criticizes the beach. She's like, oh, the beach isn't even warm. And it's like, you're from Arizona, a landlocked state. What do you, why are you critical of these beaches? Wait, what, what kind of beaches do you know? Yeah. Yeah. None. Like no. Sandy no. National like Park? Like, you're going to hear us um, reference quite often the um, Bella's disdain for the Arizona, or for the um, Forks, Washington school system, school mm-hmm. department, um, and absolutely idolizing the Arizona public school system. Um, and I would like to point out one, I think public education in America is com- absolutely underfunded. We simply must get our shit together on that one. I would also like to point out that in 22, um, Arizona was ranked um, number 50 out of 50 states for education in America. <laughs> oh, wait, that's so funny. So I don't know what has occurred well, in the state of Arizona in the last 17 years. I mean, I know what has occurred in the country in the last 17 years, um, but I really, I feel horrible for the people of Arizona that their um, golden education system that Bella attended in 2004 has fallen. Yeah, well, because I think, so Stephanie Meyer is from Phoenix or uh, the surrounding suburbs, and she did go to like a magnet school in Phoenix so, or something like that. So, like, this is where her bias about, like, the great education in Arizona is clearly coming through. Oh. Versus, you know, then Bella moves to small town. You know, there's one high school with, like, Rural 30 kids. You know, clearly, you know, they don't have, like, AP chemistry, AP bio. Um, but, well, 50 out of 50. Yeah, that's incredible. That, that, there aren't even like. Yeah. It couldn't get worse if they tried. No. That's really. And the thing is, I looked it up because I was really genuinely curious. I was like, maybe I just haven't been. Like, maybe Arizona is ranked super high for public education. Like, that would be really interesting if we found out, like, after reading this whole book and being like, why is she complaining, like, that Arizona actually historically does have an incredible school system, but to find out that piece of information instead was even more fascinating. Um, I also have, oh, sorry, please continue. Oh, sorry, I I was just going to add, I think, uh, you know, some listeners might be wondering, like, what sort of criticisms does Bella give about the school system? Or, you know, what sort of stuff, like, what sort of issues does she have specifically? Why don't you go in more depth on that? And I cannot recall a specific issue that she had with this uh, Forks school system, other than like, it's small. She just didn't like, she was annoyed that because she moved like partway through the school year that um, there were covering things in her classes that she had already covered earlier in the year in her other classes. Like she was annoyed that in biology, they were talking about like mitosis when she'd already learned mitosis and that they were reading books she'd already read. And it was like, okay, and like, 
Lizzie and I have talked about this as, well, I'm not, but Lizzie as a military kid, how many times you learned the same thing in school after moving? Like How many times did you read the exact same book in an English class three years in a row? <sighs> a couple. <laughs> <laughs> a couple. And you know what? Just take the easy A. <laughs> I have read the shit out of some Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and how's it compared to Twilight? Well, you know what? I think perhaps if Bella um had read all of the books, she was so upset about having to reread. If she had read them a little bit closer the first time, perhaps she would have gained some perspective and um have been a more interesting uh person. <laughs> And less of a spoiled brat. Um, So talking about kind of this moving from Arizona situation, which really and truly for, I would say the first 200 pages of the book is Bella's like main personality trait is the fact that she is new and different and not, she's like an outsider in this town. Um, but there is a plot specifically where she's talking about, like, maybe it would be different for me if I looked like girls from Arizona are supposed to look. Oh, my God, If I yes. was, like, a volleyball player or a cheerleader, and if I was blonde and... If tiny, I wasn't pale. If I wasn't so pale, and if my hair wasn't so dark. Um... And so I had come up with a hypothesis, which has now been proven incorrect, but I knew Hannah was generally unhappy with her reading of this, and I knew I was generally unhappy with my reading of this. And I thought, if I log onto this call and Ian is raving in support of this book, my hypothesis will have been proved correct, and maybe Hannah and I just can't understand Bella's plight as people who are blonde. <laughs> Life is just easier for us. I really thought I had cracked the code, and yet, ugh. Yeah, you guys just hate to see a brunette winning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, blondes have more fun, and this is a true case study of that. Yeah, no, she does not have a bit of fun in most of the book. Yeah, Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand. And, like, she, there is a spot probably like a hundred pages in where they are talking you she's talking you through her school day and she's so miserable and like her only bright spot is like edward like sits with her at lunch and everyone everyone who she normally sits with at lunch is flabbergasted nope that's not a word flabbergasted behoovergasted i said flabbergoosed the other day which i do think is actually a better variant of that word but that should be correct. Flabbergoosed. Um, Flabbergoosed. But she, um, you know, everyone is shocked because he never eats with anyone that's not, like, his family members. Um, and she is talking about this kid, Mike, who is, like, part of her friend group, her friend group of people she doesn't like. Um, mm-hmm. And she's like, he's the nicest person I met, I've met at this school. And then proceeds to, like, say really mean things about him. Like, what is your problem? Well, I, yeah. Oh, my God. I, you know, 
screw team Edward, screw team Jacob. I was like team Mike up until up until later in the book, but yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, just Bella, please, for one moment, remove head from ass. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, she acts the same way towards Jessica, famously played by Anna Kendrick in the film. Um, Jessica is like, yeah, like a little bit silly, but like she's very nice and welcoming, and she's like, come sit with us at lunch. Um, we're gonna t- we'll take you shopping for prom dresses, and she's like, this girl is so dumb and stupid and ridiculous, and she yes. only likes frivolous things. She is like tolerant of Angela. Angela's the only one that she seemingly likes, Angela's and it's seemingly because like, Angela doesn't talk very much. Right. She doesn't like Lauren either. Yeah. She's like Lauren the bitch. Yeah. I I think it's so ironic that like I mean um I think so much of the the hate for this book was um like rooted in misogyny and sort of what you guys were talking about in fanfic um fandom fandom February of like you know mm-hmm. people hate things that are that they think see for are for teenage girls. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it's like, ironic that it's still got that hate as much as it's trying not to be like teenage girls Yeah, you know, and how much it hates traditional femininity or like anything that it sees, sorry, anything it sees as like feminine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And especially like there's a part, oh gosh, I don't remember exactly where it takes place in the book. It's the first when there are on the beach and they're like going on the hike with that group of friends i think it's like the first time she kind of meets jacob is that right it's in uh, it's the- one of the first times they really talk in this book it besides like when his dad is there and that's kind of like it's probably like a third of the way through the book i want to say probably after she's been sad and miserable or her school for like a solid chunk of time um but like, she makes a point of saying, she's like, I, like, don't really want to go hiking or whatever. And then all of the other girls are like, yeah, we're, like, going to stay on the beach, whatever. And then as soon as they all go, she's like, I decided to join the all-boys hiking, like, group that was going hiking. I was like... All my friends are guys, because girls are way too much drama. Oh my god, I'm I'm having a physical reaction to hearing that sentence. <laughs> I would like to say I personally am vehemently opposed to the phrase pick me girl. I'm mm-hmm. really sick of it. And I yeah. think it's mm-hmm. it's gonna spiral into something fairly problematic pretty soon if it hasn't already and I just haven't seen it in my with my own eyes. Um I think Bella surpasses even what, like, right now, internet culture and sort of, like, young person society sees a pick-me, a quote, pick-me girl to be. Bella mm-hmm. is even even more than that because it's not like she is even pretending to have a personality that is attractive. Like for male validation? Yeah. For male validation. She is just like a shithead to everyone 
but like yeah slightly less to the boys in her life yeah i don't think she sees the girls as competition or but she definitely does see herself as better than them or at least other like she sees herself as different than them right um which i guess like is kind of the whole point of the book is that bella is special bella will be you know even before we know that vampires exist in this universe hypothetically before we know um like bella is marked to be different and to be you know she's pale she's always cold things like that like she's gonna be a vampire you know we know before we know yeah um also with like the whole like mormony eve imagery like she's the chosen one she has to make the decision she knows better it sorry can we talk about mormonism for a second i i don't know if that's i don't know if that's too far off but i was so i i didn't know that she was a mormon the first time i read it um, mm-hmm. But this time I read it, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, of how much, and, and specifically, and, and I know that this is probably not our place to be criticizing because we're a bunch of white people. Um, but like the way that they talk about race in it, and how much it's like being pale is beautiful. And I know in the later books they say that, oh, you, um, like if you are bit by a vampire you just automatically become white um and that was like a big thing that she fought on in the production of the movie of like stephanie meyer was like we can't have black vampires and that's like a big thing in mormonism of like color of the skin is related to um related hierarchy and how you are in heaven yeah and uh, so i was i was reading through it and i was like well you know she she's you know devoting some attention to the 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 kiliuts um the kiliuts I know. Um, and I was like, well, you, you know, there are some non-white people in the story. And I was like, wait a minute. In Mormonism, like, they, they specifically say, like, oh, no, Native American people are, are, are white. And I was like, it, now, it, now it feels weird that there's two groups, two racial groups that appear in the, in the, the book, and both of them are the ones that are deemed white by Mormonism. And that didn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. No, I had forgotten about that because I have heard that as well. Yeah, it's so, it's so so weird, and that's the thing you kind of brought up earlier, and then we mentioned again. Like this book, who's to say if it deserves the hate it's gotten? Um, and I think a lot of the hate it's gotten is because you know people are uniquely shitty towards teenage girls and things that they like. Um, but this book certainly deserves hate for other reasons. It deserves to be at least criticized. Yeah, Um, I think my thought process on it is in terms of sort of the, like, very, very intense hate surrounding Twilight in its fandom. I think I don't care about the hate the book itself was receiving. I think there's enough within the pages of the book to be pissed off about that, like, go ahead and be pissed off about it. I don't think the young, predominantly young girls who loved it so much deserved the hate that they were getting. Yes. As someone who admittedly was real shitty about it 
for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, realistically, like, like I said, I read the first half of it when I was, what, 12? 12 year olds, especially depending on the education you've gotten, and particularly if you were reading this, you know, in 2010, around that time, you probably were not educated to the point of being able to understand a lot of the nuance in the story and the stuff that now reading it as adults, we're like, oh, that's. Yeah. Not good. Don't like that. So. Related to that, what did you guys think about how the relationship between Bella and Edward is portrayed? It's so weird. It's hard it's hard to put into words for me. Um and maybe I don't know, like the obviously there's like the he's a hundred years older than her thing, which I don't know, we'll talk about. But like the he often doesn't listen to her. He thinks he knows better. He thinks he knows best. So when she asks him to do things like please don't drive a hundred miles an hour on the road, he like thinks she's silly. It's weird because he sees her as a romantic partner or romantically interesting, and also sees her as like a child he needs to take care of. Yeah. And it's like that is creepy and also very Mormon. Um, but. <laughs> And, like, and then at the beginning, you know, she's kind of, you know, she's intrigued by him, but she's, like, he's a little weird. And then the way she just becomes obsessed with him. And they're obsessed with each other kind of in different ways. And, you know, at the end, she's begging him, you know, just change me. And, you know, my life means nothing without you. You know, there's nothing in my life that I'll miss if you change me. And it's, like, girl... Yeah. He is a man. Hit him with your car. Yeah. Is this your man? Look at the screen. <laughs> Wait, what is that? It's um, uh, Chrissy Schlepecker. Yes. Yeah. 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 He's not the love of your life. He's literally just a guy. Hit him with your car. It's a really yes. good impression. I love her. <laughs> Which is so funny. Hannah, when I found that crazy thing that I sent you earlier from June of 2021, this was mm-hmm. following a conversation you and I had had about how much we love her. About how much we love Christina. Oh my god. I love when she goes, I love you. Say it back. Yes. (laughs) Curious. So I would like to, just really quick, talking about this, um, I also just found out, apparently when you have three guests on New Zencaster, with their new, like, free thing, um, you have a time limit for the amount of time you can- I'm gonna kill myself! Oh, we have 22 minutes left. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, but that's probably okay. We'll that's be, probably we'll okay. So, yeah. in terms of this, what Hannah, what you were just saying about kind of the very, very rapid nature with which Bella's kind of infatuation with Edward truly deep dives, not into decoms, but into an obsession. Um. <laughs> Thank you for laughing at that, Ian. Hannah's not paying attention. I feel like I shouldn't laugh at <laughs> Cool, I think you should. I accidentally said deep dives into decoms in our last episode. I had to edit it out. Yeah. And here she is. I was literally editing, laughing. and I was like, oop. Not laughing at my joke in my own birthday episode. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. Um, I would like to take this moment to 
discuss the parenting or lack thereof <laughs> Bella Swan because look I understand her parents make me so angry for different reasons we aren't we aren't talking about Twilight the movie in this episode um because that is something you know, that y'all love Charlie Swan because this thing that Hannah and I are doing that in the month of April um mm-hmm. spoiler spoiler um but you know I have watched the movie I have done that and Charlie Swan at least in this first movie or kind of like you're like okay is he the world's most attentive dad no is he trying yes and he at least huh. appears to have some redeeming qualities in this in the book he doesn't make her a copy of the house key she has to use the one from under the mat every day yeah he doesn't fill the house with groceries before she moves in he yeah. doesn't um like Guess clear out a shelf for her in the bathroom she totes her shampoo like she's in college back and forth he gets her a car, which, like, I guess that's all the dads know how to do. That? Oh. I don't know. Um, but that is actually not the parent I wanted to talk about. Ooh, Renee. I want to talk about Renee. Renee. I know you have made the choice to marry a younger man who is a minor league baseball player. That is not my issue. If it's good enough for Vanessa Hudgens... Perhaps it's good enough for you too, Renee. I, they don't. <laughs> he's probably got really nice buns. Probably, and you know what? Well, we also know that he's not a good minor league baseball no, player. No, no, he's bad. Many yeah. minor league baseball players are not good, and this is going to someone who loves minor league baseball. Which is why I thought it was so funny when when there's part of parts of the book where he they're like, oh, where Renee is like, oh no no no, we're gonna live, we're gonna live with uh, what's his name, Paul. We're gonna live with Phil? Paul. Phil, Phil, that's it. We're gonna live with Phil, and we're gonna live off of off of uh, you know his salary as a minor league baseball player. All three of us. Yeah, live- and she's like, "Don't worry, I'll only travel to his away games half the time, so I'll see you." And it's like, so this is the real crux of the issue here. So Bella lived for the majority of her life in a single parent household, and it was her mother. Um, I know. Her mom got, like, her mom got remarried fairly recently, Mm -hmm. like, from the sound of it in the beginning of the book. What sort of parenting was her mother doing to raise this daughter that is so dismissive of other women, has... Mm -hmm so little, like, sense of self-worth to the point where, like, this is, we're presuming, I'm, you know, that this is, like, her first semi-serious, like, kind of intense romantic encounter, which, obviously, like, no one's gonna knock that out of the park on the first try. Unintentional minor league baseball pun. Um, however, thank you, Hannah. I saw you giggle. I know you're upset that you did, but thank you. Um, <laughs> however, Renee, what are you doing? And also, there's a part My where Renee Lord is her email for three days, oh. and Renee has just been emailing her and emailing her and emailing her. Pick up the fucking phone if you don't know if your kid got off their flight. I'm assuming Charlie 
maybe like called her and was like, hey, yeah, the kid is here. But we have no idea. Yeah. My favorite Renee lore is when Bella, so at this point, Bella is like 16 or like freshly 17. She's like a junior in high school. Is that for Bella's 14th birthday or when Bella was 14, Renee got her Silk Victoria's Secret lingerie. Because at one point, Bella's like, well, should I break out this lingerie my mom bought me two years ago? That's on. And it's like, I, my theory is this. So Renee and Charlie, Renee left Charlie when Bella was a baby. Like Bella doesn't remember it, although she can tell the story really well, which leads me to believe Renee tells her this story all the time. Kind Mm -hmm. of in the way that like in Gilmore Girls, Lorelai tells Rory the story of her birth every year on her birthday. Yeah. Like, maybe every year on the anniversary of the divorce, Renee gets, like, a little drunk <laughs> and is like, and I told him, Charlie, let me go. And then, like, Bella has this vision of the story. Yeah. Um, and that, girl. like, thank you. Um, and I'm wondering how old, I mean, we know that Phil is younger than Renee. I'm wondering how old Renee is meant to be if they're Mormon. Perhaps she's... Well, if in I don't know. I was gonna say I wonder like if she's like a young mom and she sees them more as like friends and like, you know. Mm. Um I'm gonna Google but it. I also wonder if just this coming to me is looking at this through the Mormon lens. I wonder if Renee is meant to be like an apostate. Like she's left. She's the bad influence. Mm. Wait. She I'm just reading into this. Really this is deep. To... What's that? Oh, I'm thinking about it. So, oh, okay. So this is interesting. I'm on the Twilight Saga wiki page. Good. Okay. Um. So Renee. I die, I'm gonna go to the mom. Mm-hmm. Um. Says Renee. She was born in 1968. Um, oh. and had, so she's, and had she's Bella born. when she was in 1987, when she was 19. Okay. So. So she was a young mom. What, not quite as young as Lorelai Gilmore, but almost. Yeah, like, I'm wondering if she saw Bella more as, like, either, like, a friend, like, Versus, like, and I mean, we see the way that Bella kind of is parentified and takes care of Charlie, you know, cooks dinner for him and such. I wonder if she was doing the exact same thing for Renee in Arizona um, for 16 years. Um, or if, yeah, that's that's my theory, you know. I don't know. Um, some things I would like us to bring up in the time we have remaining. Mm-hmm. One. Thoughts on Twilight's depiction of vampires? Because we have talked about the vampire aspect of this very little. Yeah, I have to say, I really don't mind the... Like, I, I know there's, that's something that a lot of people sort of, you know, lay down and be like, oh, well, they're not accurate vampires. I don't know. I think it's... I, I, I gotta say, I think that I give some credit to it for that because I think it's... um. It's a, a new version of a very old story, and she was really sort of writing the ground rules. In one of the interviews, she was like, I like didn't know anything about vampires going in, into this. I just sort of had like a general idea in her head, and she just made up the rest and actively yeah. avoided 
looking into vampires. And I think and also, I vampires aren't good. real. So who's to yeah. say? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think, uh, obviously, I'm not saying that Stephanie Meyer is the first person to like take vampires, which traditionally is something that are like supposed to be super gross and super scary. And ask the question, what if vampires were still super scary, but also a little sexy? Um, which, obviously, <laughs> lots of other people, particularly in, like, the romance and fantasy space, were doing. Anne Rice, etc. Shout out Anne Rice. J.R. Ward. However, Stephanie Meyer was doing it in a way that was supposed to be appealing to, like, youths. And youths are a picky bunch. So she somehow managed to thread the needle of making Edward a monster, like, essentially, but still, like, a little bit enough of, like, a charming asshole that it wasn't completely inconceivable that, like, a high school girl would want to date him. Right. And I think... I also loved the tongue-in-cheek of, of, like, tongue-in-cheek, like, references to some other vampire lore. Like, when Bella says to him, are you gonna turn into a bat? And he's like, ha ha ha, no, we don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, but that's a question I would have. I'd be like, so, like, you sleep upside down? And he's like, no, we don't sleep at all. We don't sleep at all. So, something, Ian, Hannah and I have both listened to the um, Hot and Bothered miniseries Twilight and Quarantine, which is excellent. I highly recommend. We'll send it to you later. Yes. Okay. Um, but they kind of throw, they cover all of the books, and they do individual episodes for every chapter. Yeah. They wow. did it, like, in March of 2020, when they had like, nothing else to do. Lot. Um, and they're excellent and they're hilarious but their biggest question throughout pretty much the entire series is um, what are the things that the Cullens could be doing um, instead of with their eternal life instead of continuing to go to high school for 100 years I was thinking just that so my question is I'll be honest I don't really feel the need to have a conversation about what they could be doing but if you were a like I was going to ask you this same question. As like a 17 or 18 year old, what are the things that you would do with like 100 years essentially of frozen time? Okay. So I... I, An important caveat. You also have, you are so immeasurably rich that the amount of money you have... And hot. ...can only be described affectionately by the term fuck you money. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, I was I, I okay. I was when I was thinking through this question, I was thinking of it a, diff- a little differently. If you just had like the the vampire powers, in which case, I think I would just walk down to the bottom of the ocean and hang out down there for like a decade or two. Ooh, how, I think that, I think that would be cool. I think it would be nice to know that I could just sort of hold my breath indefinitely and just hang out down there, and like I it, the darkness wouldn't bother me or anything like that, and I just hang out. Like I think that'd be fun to do for like a year or two. Um, but as for the, the infinite life and like 
F you money. Um, I I gotta say, I think I would I would go for some um some political influence kind of thing. I think I I, I would want to be like the person that they have in conspiracy theories of like he's always shadowy in the background of all of these. <laughs> and he you know here's a picture of him shaking hands with all of all of these you know all of these political figures all the way from from 2022 all the way up until until uh 2302 um I, I, think I was thinking similarly yeah shadowy in the background although i, I well i was thinking similarly but i was thinking more like going vigilanteism because I'm already living in, like, the shadows. Like, I'm already living off the grid. Um, so, like, and, like, I have all this time. Um, I'm hot as hell. I have mm. all the bail money if I were to get caught, which I'm not. Like, you know. Yeah. yeah. Why not just, you know. Like, I used to have this joke that with my old car. No offense to everyone. Well, actually, offense. I used to have this joke that I had Mitch McConnell in the trunk of my car. <laughs> and I feel like if I was a vampire, I would just do that for real. Yeah. That was my answer too. Vigilante justice. Oh my god. On that vigilante shit. On the vigilante um, shit. But like even like so like the example, I don't remember if they give this example in in Hot and Bothered. I think they might bring it up. But like one of the things Carlisle talks about that was like you know, he's a doctor and he talks about it was so hard in times like the Spanish influenza because there were so many people dying. And, you know, he didn't have to sleep, but he had to pretend to sleep so as to not, you know, cause concern, like, draw attention to himself. Like, dude, you're working 24 hours a day to save people. How are you not dead? And it's like, mm -hmm. dude, just use your powers. Work at one hospital in the day and a different hospital at night. Wear a mustache. Yeah. Yeah. Just probably none of them were wearing glasses. They didn't have LASIK. Yeah. Or pay some of the people the stupid amount of money and bribe them to keep their mouth shut. It was 1917. The people were hurting. Yeah. yeah. The war was raging. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They still had fear of God. Like, yeah. Oh God. What I, see, I am in the for a little of that right now, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Say, I am an angel sent by the Lord to take care of these poor, wounded people. And also they would believe you. Their blood occasionally. <laughs> they would believe you. Yeah. Also, like, at least these, like, why are they pretending to be 17? At least pretend yeah. to be, like, 20 so you don't have to go to high school. Literally anything uh, else. Oh, my God. At least, like, Edward, uh, Ed, uh, I was thinking about that. Like, why, why does he pretend to be a high schooler when he could pretend to be that guy who just graduated high school and is like working at a gas station and does like, yeah, you know, he could just pretend like he, he's, he, yeah, he looks young, but he's, he, you know, he just got out of school and he's just moving, working at different gas stations all the time. Yeah, because then they wouldn't have to move so much. They mentioned that they move all the time because every four years they graduate <laughs> and they have to move. Yeah. yeah, you could you could at least bump you could at least bump that up to like ten years. Well, if yeah. you just pull yeah. them out of high school. If you're and then you're like, all right, well, I'm going to college online. I'm yeah 
doing well, a math some of them do have college degrees. I don't remember if they mentioned that in this book. But, like, they're like, oh, yeah, like, Jasper went to Columbia and studied this. And it's like. Jasper, noted confederate. Sorry, I yeah. just feel like that should be brought I up anytime. Always this. Yeah. forget about that. I will say, yeah. unfortunately, I, do, I wish that Stephanie Meyer had committed like a lot more time to the sort of background stories of all the Cullens. Yeah. Well, I think you get more of that in the other books, don't you? I know. Or am I wrong? I, I think you do too, because I know they like. Do talk about it in the first movie. Oh, stop. I'm trying really hard to not compare it to the movie. But, like, Stephanie Meyer clearly, like, the imagination is there. Like, like the ideas are there. If she mm-hmm. had just dedicated all of the time that she spent writing all of these books and now Midnight Sun to books about this immortal vampire filthy rich family who at certain yeah. point were acting are you shitting me that's so cool yeah I would eat and they're like kind of time traveling almost because they're alive forever <gasps> oh my god that scene where they're going through they're like in Carlisle's office and he's like oh yeah here's a painting of me hanging out with a bunch of like renaissance painters yeah and they and then they just brush by it to get back to the high school drama. Yeah. And Edward's like, oh, the music of the 50s was better. I wasn't a fan of the 60s. <laughs> and I think this is an issue that, like, show, even shows like Buffy have, um, where it's like, I, I, I compare everything to Buffy because I love Buffy. Um, sure. <laughs> but, like, the, they... You know, they have these vampires who are around for so long, but don't really, it doesn't feel like they have a conception of like how long that really is and how much like these things in the past will influence it. I remember there's one episode of Buffy specifically where they, they just reveal that one of the major vampires was like a member of, of the rat pack. And he's just sort of like <laughs> into it. He meets another vampire who was also in the rat pack and just hangs out with him and they're like snapping fingers, playing jazz. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The potential was there <laughs> for like something very, very interesting. Unfortunately, I'm just not entirely sure Stephanie Meyer had the capacity to yeah. do that idea justice. Now I'm curious, Ian, what is your favorite vampire related media? Okay. I I think I I think I gotta say um Buffy the Vampire Slayer on that one. I, okay. I it's a it, it's a big standout for me. I uh like there, I think it's a lot of fun world building, and I, I don't know, but I, I watched I a lot of Buffy. It, it's hit, it's hit or miss, <laughs> but I think when it hits, it really hits. I, I don't know. I can't think of any other uh, vampire media that I've seen off the top of my head my, right now. I'm either. sorry, I'm trying to upgrade our thing because we're about to run out of time. Okay. <gasps> um. So I might we um, have to start a new room. Oh, we're phew, we're good. Okay. I think. Oh, okay. We'll find out. Um, my favorite vampire media. This is kind of like a little bit cheating because it's not solely vampires. Um, Cressley Cole's Immortal After Dark series. Im- absolutely insane. The most batshit series of books I've ever read. 
they're still ongoing. They've been coming out since, like, 2011, I think? So, like, kind of post-Twilight, but, like, very much for adults. Maybe they're actually older than that. Um, but it is very tongue-in-cheek. Um, and I think they're technically considered paranormal romance. Um, they're just hilarious. And they're so funny. They're so, it is the type of humor I wish was present in Twilight. Here's the thing. I could overlook a lot of things in this book if it was funnier. Yeah. Yeah. The comedy... We didn't get... Yeah. We didn't get any of the camp of the movie. We didn't get any of the blue-tinted fun of the movie. Yeah. It was bland. It was... I, I texted Lizzie as I was reading. And I was like, this is so boring. Like, you know... We all know, even if you haven't read the movie, read the book, even if you haven't seen the movie, you know the iconic, what are you? I know what you are. Say it. Say it out loud. A vampire. And then he says, hop on, spider monkey, and he runs up the mountain and glistens. We all know it and love it. In the book, that doesn't happen. She says, are you, they're in the Volvo. He's going 100 miles an hour, maybe. She says, are you a vampire? And he's like, yes. And that's it. Yeah. And so, so another interview that I saw, I, I I think I saw every public interview that Stephanie Meyer has done. <laughs> she's only, she's only, I think she's pretty private. She's only done a couple, but one of them, she, she's like, when she was developing the movie, she kept seeing scenes that they were doing and being like, why didn't I do that? And I, I was listening to it thinking like, yeah, why didn't you do that? That's a great question. It would have been better. <laughs> Which I think is so interesting. Like- that we are talking about the movies now because everyone was well, like, these movies are so horrible. Like Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart, what are you doing? And now having read the source material, yeah. they were going above and beyond. To they were trying their best. To give- God, the baseball scene. <gasps> the baseball scene. Okay. Baseball. I, okay. We should really wrap it up. And also, I don't want to talk too much about the music, about the music, how, or the m- movie. Consistently, the Twilight movie soundtracks have been incredible. Every movie, the song selection, the songs create Bruno Mars, Paramore. Christina Did you see the list in the book? She, like, she put, like, a playlist in, like, the back of the book. She's like, these are the songs I was listening to while I, yeah. while I wrote. I and it's know. like, she was, she was like a fallout boy, paramore. Well, yes, because there's the whole, because 9-11 happened, now we have Twilight. You know that story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The only part of the book that I actually enjoyed was chapter 23, second to last chapter, or last chapter before, second to last chapter before that blog. And it's James has captured Bella. Oh, we didn't talk about that at all. Yeah, well, y'all know the plot. I don't know. Bella, like, the vampires that aren't the Cullens are like, we're going to kidnap her because we're insane. Well, basically, so James is giving, he's friends with Victoria. He's like the hot guy from Burlesque, I think. He's given his villain speech. And it's so fucking funny. He's, like, going on and on and on. And I feel like if I was there, I would have been, like, looking into the camera like I was in the office. It's very and he's, like, well, really, I wanted, I wanted to kidnap Alice, but, and I tried long ago, but then they turned her into a vampire, so I couldn't kidnap her. So I'm kidnapping you instead, and she smells a lot better than you. No offense, but, you know, it's just you're the second best thing. And I, I did laugh at that. Yeah. 
Um, that was good. And that was the only, that was my moment of genuine enjoyment. Did anyone else have a moment of genuine enjoyment? I think I, I, I did enjoy the baseball scene in the book as well. I thought that was a fun idea. I wish they'd done more with it, but I, I, I did enjoy that. And the, I, I mentioned the scene in the office. I, I enjoyed that as well. Um, well, excuse me. Um, I do like, but I, I don't even know if this is genuine enjoyment or if it was like perhaps the point in the book that was like so ridiculous to me that it made me laugh in a very genuine way. But so there is the scene where Bella famously almost gets hit by a car and Edward saves her and like dents the car with the superhuman strength or whatever. And then afterwards, like he's like not at school afterwards and like he's avoiding her like kind of very obviously. And her, her first thought is, I bet he regrets saving my life. Which is the most insane thing. Like, why would her first thought not be like, oh, I bet he, like, he doesn't like me, or I bet, like, he doesn't want to be around me, like, he doesn't think I'm cute, or, like, maybe he's... And she's so she saw the dent that he left in the car, so maybe he's in the hospital, yeah. you know? Maybe he's been oh, taken yeah. care of by his doctor dad. But... Additionally, I do appreciate, perhaps that is the most accurate depiction of teenage girl in the actual entire thing. He wishes I was dead. Every, every once in a while, you know what, like, oh, the boy that I have a crush on hasn't talked to me in 24 hours? He does regret saving my life. He does wish he'd just let me get crushed. He wishes yeah, I was dead. He wishes I was dead. And then he gaslights the hell out of her. Or, which, it would have also been more accurate if she had been like, oh my god, he's dead. He's dead somewhere. He transferred. <laughs> oh my god. He transferred because he hates me. Because Which also would have been a believable plotline because he does try to transfer classes because of her. I love the like her first day, he's like, I have to enroll in chemistry. I can't be in biology anymore. I love imagining the version of this book that's like 200 pages long of just like he transfers to another class and it's over. Everyone's saved uh, from all of this. Well, well, actually, I did have yeah. this question for you folks. I'm checking my very few notes here. Um, so, yeah, my first note was maybe Hannah and I don't understand this book because we're blonde. My second one was in 2022, Arizona was ranked 50th for education. And my third one, and this is perhaps the last question I'll leave you folks with, is do you think this book would have been better or you would have enjoyed this book more if it was generally the same plot, but written in third person? I don't think so. That's a good question. I did notice a few times that like the first person was a little odd i just wonder um, perhaps bella's whininess in like consistently like because she seems to i don't want to say an unreliable narrator but she is definitely at least in my eyes a very unlikable narrator yeah <laughs> um mm -hmm. if hearing the story told not from her perspective would have made the actual plot of the story better. Wasn't that what Midnight Sun is for? I don't know. I haven't read that. Well, isn't Midnight Sun just t 
Twilight, like, word for word, but from Edward's point of view? Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I mean, we get some of the weird stuff from Bella's point of view, but also we do get some of, like, the quirky, funny parts, like, her being, like, a an aspiring weather woman or like an aspiring like architect. Like I love like all the little things she notices that cracked me up. <laughs> She's like the south facing window was was stained glass and I'm like beautiful. She loves to talk about the weather, huh? She loves the weather. Yeah. Every other line she's giving us a up to the minute update. <laughs> so good. Alright. Does uh, anyone have any uh, final thoughts? I have I have one bit. Maybe yeah. you can just insert this into the the part where we were talking about the relationship between Bella and Edward earlier, because yeah. um, it's a, a maybe this was just my own baggage that I was bringing into it. Um, but the 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 way that the relationship goes from like this mutual obsession to controlling felt like really uncomfortable and like way too real and there were a few and i you know i was relating it to to relationships i've had in the past and there was a few where i there was a few moments where i had to like put the book down because i was just so uncomfortable with it yeah absolutely and there's definitely like a lot of what hannah was saying earlier about how edward treats her I think especially, I, I don't know if it changes as the series goes on and they age a little and maybe mature a little. Um, but the fact that there are so many points of Edward controlling her in a way that is, I don't want to say it's parental in nature because that isn't like how, how good parents act either. But, but like, he treats her like a child at the same time that he, like, sees her as, like, a potential like, romantic partner. He romanticizes her. Yeah. Which is which is just the beginning of a theme in this series because we haven't even learned about imprinting yet. <laughs> oh, God. Nickname my baby. Name my child after the Vlogness <laughs> monster. Nessie. And on that yes. note. I really do think perhaps that should be the final. The final. Yes, absolutely. Ian, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I hope this episode lived up to all of your Twilight-related desires. You'll forgive (laughs) me if perhaps um, we hold off on another one of your suggestions. Well, I'll be back for New Moon. Oh. <laughs> that'll be yeah spoiler guys our next episode is new moon and then the next one is eclipse and then the next one is breaking yeah, was, one, you, you, read it yet? It, you got till the end of the week to finish reading yeah. it <laughs> yeah um this is now a twilight podcast <laughs> and interestingly enough that does coincide with the announcement of my resignation um so <laughs> <laughs> no all right so no this is very fun um and despite the fact that the actual reading of the book was not entirely enjoyable this discussion certainly has been so thank you both for potting with me um absolutely we have some announcements we have announcements so our first announcement is that next week is the slumber party spring break so we're we next break. Week no new episode next week um, 
if you don't hear from us, don't assume the worst. We're just taking a break preemptively. If you because don't, because this hear is the from longest us. we've gone before a breakdown. They, so they do just... not wish that they hadn't saved you from the car crash. Yeah, um, we're glad you're alive. We're just planning a break now, so we don't manifest a break due to like bad circumstances later. Yeah, um, take a break. Yeah, however, and then after our break, we have another fun guest, and we are actually this is becoming a Twilight podcast because we are talking about Twilight the movie. But that's <laughs> not right after this. That's it's not. No, it's still in the month of April. Um, but we do <gasps> in April. In the month of April, we will be Boy, tackling adaptations. Book to movie yes. adaptations, movie musical adaptations, book to TV adaptations, the whole nine yards. We have a couple guests lined up. We will be coming back to Twilight to talk about the book and the movie and do an yeah. actual comparison of the two, featuring another new friend of the pod who, until a couple weeks ago, was simply a fan of the pod. <gasps> yes. It has now been elevated to friend of the pod, which is very exciting. I can't wait to meet her. I'm so excited. It will be our first time actually having a conversation with her on the pod. So, wow. it goes well. <laughs> that sounds so exciting. I'm going to recommend to this podcast to all my friends so that they can hear that. Yes! Yeah, you too can be a friend of the pod. Um, so with that comes our listeners' homework to recommend this pod to a friend, to an enemy, to your doctor who's also a vampire, to the guy who wants to take you to prom so that he shows up at your dad's house even when you're not there. Um, we didn't even talk about that plot. Um, <laughs> to your stepdad also, who's a really bad minor league baseball player. Yep, and all of his teammates until he gets kicked off that team. Um <laughs> Please rate and review our podcast on any of your podcast listening platforms, in particular Spotify and Apple Podcasts. True. Five stars only. Um, Thank you, Kitty C, for the low review. Um, (laughs) That really helps us uh, be seen by more people. um, And that's all that we want. We can't wait to be rich and famous vampires. We're so close. Yeah. We just need the blood. Just need the bite. Oh, our last exciting thing, we have been telling you for weeks that we were fast yeah. approaching an exciting milestone. And yes. we have reached it and now surpassed it. Happy birthday, Lizzie! We've had 2,000 listeners of the pod. Which is so many. Yeah. Well, that was our goal. Now we've had 2,012. That's a ton which is when the last Twilight movie Literally came out. Literally a ton. <gasps> you know what else came out in 2012? What? The Les Mis movie musical. Featuring Eddie Redmayne, Amanda Seyfried, and Aaron Tveit. Also Hugh Jackman. Also Russell Crowe. We will not be covering that during Adaptation April. Oy. We will not be covering that at all. Oh, oh my god. We will also not be covering... <gasps> Ian, will you be in my Be Real? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Should I get Be Real? Is it good? It's funny. I don't use it. It makes me laugh. because okay. I don't need another app. It adds a little, a lot, adds a little excitement. All right, everyone smile. Perfect. Are you done? All right, that was awesome. Hannah, 
Are you ready to take us away? I'll take it away. Thank you. Take it away. It's going to be a bumpy ride. I haven't done that in a bit. I know. I will not say deep dives into decons. This has been the Slumber Party Pod. This episode was edited by Lizzie and collectively conceived of as a postcard crisis by Lizzie and Hannah. This episode has been distributed by Anchor, and we hope you'll join us again next week. They're holding me at gunpoint! That's my thing! Bye! 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 Bye!